Your word says, if I lack wisdom, I should ask you in faith without wavering and that you would give it liberally without fault finding. I ask now for that wisdom and I believe that I receive it. And I say with my Lord Jesus that I must be about my father's business. Thank you for giving me your insight into my kingdom success. In Jesus' name, I pray expecting. Amen. Now say this with me. I'm a believer of the word of God. I am an epistle of the spirit of God. I am a disciple of my man of God. I am a finder of the destiny path of God for my life. Amen, amen. We're so excited uh, to continue on in our series on um, dynamics um, of destiny relationships. We definitely want to acknowledge those that are watching with us online today. Uh, we're always glad that you're here um, to share with us as we go into the word and just let God minister to us out of um, truth about relationships. You know, relationships, you will not live and die without them. Um, you, you, uh, everybody has relationships and um, there's always dynamics that are, occur in relationships and um, we need to, particularly in the foundational relationship for uh, most other human relationships that we have, it's not the only one. That's why we've been, you know, I went back and started looking at my notes. I started teaching on, on um, dynamics of destiny relationships, just relationships overall, uh, started that back in October of last year. And uh, I, don't, I still don't feel like I got to the bottom of it. Like there's every time I get to a certain place and I get so far, the Lord showed me something else that he wants to minister to our congregation. And so um, we've been dealing with relationships and we started just dealing with the relationship with God, um, how we relate, how God relates to us, how we relate to God and how we relate to ourselves. Because if you, if you're not satisfied with, or uh, if you don't handle you well, you're not going to handle other people well. Right. And um, then we went into that and we went from there into dealing with this relationship of marriage. And and man, I've been dealing with marriage basically since the second. I, I always go back and keep my notes uh, since the second of January. And um, the Lord said, now it's time to shift because I've been really, really I mean, I've been on the brothers. I've been dig digging hard into the men. And he said, OK, now it's time for the sisters to get in the game, too. So uh, y'all going to pray with me. Right. All right, don't turn me off now. Don't turn me off. I didn't, I, I gave the brothers their due, all right? So uh, we're going to start dealing with some of the sisters uh, today, and uh, you're going to be blessed in this as well, all right? So our objectives uh, for this series has been to illuminate, number one, the basic power of relationships, especially relationships that are developed for the purpose of glorifying God. The reason of my relationship, if my reason is for relationship is that God gets the glory out of every interaction, every action and interaction of my life, 
I, I, I won't fail. Number two, to elaborate on the love connection as the key to empowering relationships. Also, the, the principles upon which relationships consist and by which they are maintained and enhanced. And our statement is, particularly in this area of marriage, that the honeymoon is the worst it's ever supposed to be. In other words, if my relationships are built the way that God intends for them to build, I'm not saying, you know, this is not, okay, they live happily ever after the end and, you know, there's no problems. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is an expectation that, yeah, if we got problems, we're going to deal with them. If I got a problem now, I'm going to deal with it now. But I'm not, I'm not going to be permanently broken if Jesus Christ is in my relationship. I don't have to accept that. Number three, to differentiate the various types of spiritual, natural, and social relationships and their purpose for being from God's perspective. And what we said is marriage is a spiritual, it's a natural, and it's a social relationship, right? Because I even talked about things like uh, vacation, vacation, not, not vocation, not the work you do, the play you do. And that that's, that, that that's a part of marriage. It's a social part of marriage, but if that don't go right, then other stuff starts to go wrong too. And the word has something to say about that. And then finally, number four, to motivate you to be more intentional on your relational roles at every level for relational success, all right? So we've been talking about that, and then we, we um, in, in Romans 10, and this is just, just a review for us, we talked about the fact that God raises up a minister, he sends that minister, puts a word in his mouth, sends him to a group of people who, when they hear that word preached, they believe it in their heart, they call to it, and then God saves them in the area that they have been, that the minister is assigned to, to, to preach in. That's why uh, you, 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 want, you, want, you want a portfolio of messages on key areas of your life. You don't just want somebody who specializes in their one little pet doctrine. Because, um, you, know, you know, I would hate to just have a prosperity preacher when I need healing. Or to only have a healing minister when I need deliverance. So I need, I need to have something for every area of my life. And so as a pastor, my job is to be a general practitioner. Now I believe in specialists, just like I have a doctor that, you know, they do things, but then certain things get above my pay grade. And then I go out and then I say, okay, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a general practitioner, but then I'm gonna get a specialist in this area. Like you, you can market. Um, I, I've seen I've seen enough uh, challenges that people in our congregation are having in the area of health that eventually I'm gonna minister on health. But I'm gonna get a specialist in in the area of healing, and I'm gonna get somebody who who reaches beyond my grade in that area to do it because I see I see that my congregation has a need beyond my grace. Okay, does that make sense? I just, this is a way of thinking that as you think about these things, so we are specifically speaking and dealing with the fact that um, there are some relationships uh, that, that, that you need to be in faith in the area of relationships. And so one of the, we had a key statement here 
about that that um, we want you to, to recognize, and that is that there is a grace to be either magnificently married or successfully single. And if it's a grace, then that means God gives you that capability and you walk in it by faith. Right? So I need to be believing that if I'm married, that my marriage is magnificent. And I'm going to use faith. That means I'm not going to wait for it to get better to call it better. I'm going to do what Abraham did. I'm going to call those things that be not as though they were. And if, I, if there's some deadness in it, then I'm going to believe that God is the God that resurrects the dead. All right? The same thing is true in my single life. If I'm single and struggling, right, I'm believing that I can be successful in my single life. And so even in my struggle, I'm calling to the success that I desire. Okay? And so then we gave you 12 intimacy secrets from the Song of Solomon. All right? This is just review. Um, we'll get to our, our new content today. So 12 intimacy secrets from the Song of Solomon. Number one. The intimacy interaction with your wife is designed to remove all sense of her self-consciousness related to her beauty or past hurts. And we, we actually went through scriptures and showed you all of this. Number two, if you walk in your kingly role as God intended, you will be attractive to a lot of women, but only attracted to one. That's some good preaching. Yes, it is. Number three, you are designed to pursue her, your wife, with word pictures like Jesus did with parables. A woman must be aroused mentally through passionate word pursuit to be aroused sexually. Four, use your hands to touch and caress. Five, slow down. Easy does it. Make sure she's satisfied first, especially emotionally, because once you're done, you're done. Six, utilize sight, sound, touch, taste, and smell to create an atmosphere of intimacy. Seven, your sex is better if your money is right. That's not real deep, but it's, that's still good preaching. As I told you, Bill gets in the bed with you. All right? Number eight, spend money to get your wife out of the routine. In marriage, vacation is as important as vocation. Ooh. All right. I don't have that. Well, then you need to be praying and sowing and believing that part of the grace to be married is that God is giving you grace to do that. Now, they may be, they may be, um, they may be local, that you may have to go live and local. Your vacations might have to be inside Genesee County if you can't quite get no further than that. Okay, I'm just saying, uh, listen, for the Johnsons, sometimes we just have staycations. Kick everybody out. We just, this is just our time. Hey, <laughs> and if you spice it up that way, if that works for you, I'm just saying, sometimes you got to make it do what it do with what you got. Okay. Uh, number nine, it matters as a man how you present yourself to your wife. Don't just let your appearance go. Because I, I, one of my pet peeves, I got pet peeves. That's one of them that... Um, There can sometimes be a double standard. Ah, she got to do all of this, and then you just let stuff just flop and flap. And in Jesus' name, I think y'all get the point. Number 10, timing is everything, both seasonal and sexual. Be okay with missing each other's moments, but keep pursuing. And 
And the one thing I loved as I studied Song of Solomon, meditated, and I walk you through those scriptures, is that there was always this, hey, we are, like, don't get to the point where the pursuit is over. Um, in men, God designed an ego, and he designed a desire to, to achieve and accomplish. If you turn that from home, you will turn it to somebody else. You'll turn it to something else. I'm just telling you, keep it at home. Don't, don't ever feel like you just accomplish and then you're going to run on to something else. Make it a lifetime of pursuit. That's how we have to stay with our relationship with the Lord, right? Okay, if I ever get to the point where it's just like, it's just okay, then it's just going, the moment I, I settle, it begins to decline. All right, number 11, there is angelic assistance to help you get your love life right. And then finally, number 12, if you so love as a husband, because your wife is designed to receive, multiply, and return, she meets you and raise your love life to the next level. The harvest is always bigger than the seed. All right. So I have a, one scripture, Song of Solomon 5.16. Um, this is like in, in Song of Solomon, he starts off by talking about, um, he describes his love for her. and he's, he's passionately pursuing and he is passionately engaged in pursuit um, of his bride. And then um, the words, how, how he begins, how he starts to describe her, she then begins to use those terms to describe him. And in Song of Solomon 5, 12 through 16, he begins, she begins to say, well, he walks in stately and he does all of this. And, man, he's the man. And then... Um, is that 516? His mouth is most sweet. Yep. Okay, so let's, let me read that. Um, his mouth is most sweet. Yes, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. Now, now, the key point that I wanted to make here is, you know, sometimes one of the challenges that we run into relation, in relationships is, we give the person in the relationship what we need, not what they need. Um, uh, I had a, a story of a friend um, who, um, because he likes tools, he bought his wife some tools for a big anniversary and she just busted into tears like some kitchen stuff. And I was like, don't <laughs> you missed that one by a country mile. <laughs> now he gave her the thing that would have in his male mind, he was like, this is the tools of my trade. I'd have been happy with some tools. So she should be happy with some tools. Don't do that, brothers. Just don't do that. Don't do that. Okay. 
Um, the challenge is if you can give the, if you can be okay with the person giving the person what they need, you'll get what you need. So Song of Solomon um, is pursuing, in, in Song of Solomon, Solomon is pursuing his bride and desiring intimacy. All right? Um, now, this is really, really important. I, I, I actually got most stuff to say, but I have to, I have to talk about this because I have heard, I have heard, heard, heard um, dealing in this area I've heard uh, women say, man, all men's are dogs. I say, man, don't say that. You know, first of all, it's not true. Um, and then second of all, the, 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 intim the, the desire for intimacy that God, God gave that to the man. The devil didn't give it. God did. Right? Now, um, when he did it, he put some boundaries around it and says, inside this boundaries is good. Outside of this boundary is bad. Okay? So if a husband is pursuing his wife, he's inside the boundaries. He's, he's coloring inside the lines. Child, please. He coloring inside the lines. Now, outside of that, that brother need to, if he outside of that, he need to exercise some self-control, stay in his lane, get him a cold shower and hug his pillow and get up in the morning and go to work and do all of the stuff that single folks supposed to do, all right? But because, because uh, she got comfortable in this text receiving his advances, the friendship, companionship need that she had got met. Okay? So what we want to be comfortable with is that God then uses these things to keep, keep this relationship glued together versus being open to stuff on the outside. The Apostle Paul talked about that in 1 Corinthians 7 when he says, hey, let's just make sure we keep everything, everything inside the home so Satan doesn't tempt us with stuff coming from the outside. All right? So, that, so we want to make sure that we have the right perspective because sometimes people get so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. You know what I mean when I say that, right? I, I can't do that. It's time for me. I'm just fasting and praying. No, 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 no. Mm -mm. Right? Because there's a, there's a natural part to this relationship that needs to be fulfilled. And, um, and, and God is happy when you fulfill the natural responsibilities to that relationship in, in the area of intimacy. Amen? All right. Now let's go back to um, Ephesians 5, 21 through 33. Now, we've been really, really, man, I, pe people, um, when I'm doing marriage counseling, um, men say, man, you hard on a brother. Yeah, I am hard on a brother. Why are you hard on a brother? Because God came to the man first. And uh, if you're not, if, if that goes wrong, there's like, uh, if the foundation is wrong, the rest of the house can't be right. 
Okay. And um, and <laughs> I had me. Do, do you even know something else? I said, no, brother. I know other stuff. But I got to deal with you about you because if you don't get that right, the rest of the stuff won't get right. All right. So that's why we have been really dealing with the husband's responsibility since January. But as I was uh, in prayer this week, the Lord said, okay, now you can start turning the ship. All right. So we're going to do some of that today. Ephesians 5, 21 through 33 says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. First of all, let's stop right there. Um, in, in the, in the, in the uh, Greek language, there is the same word is for man and husband, and the same word is for woman and wife, but you have to read the text in context to know who he's talking to. Pastor David, why are you saying that so explicitly? Because there are some men that think that every woman should submit to them, and there's no Bible to support that. Child, please. Tell that knucklehead, you ain't paid the cost to be the boss, man. Yo, you better stay in your lane. Okay? You <laughs> Why submit to your own? Not just to every brother walking around. Right? So on Sunday, we talked very extensively about the principles of authority. Authority. God is the author the author has created realms of authority. Now, I'm a pastor, but I ain't everybody pastor. I can't walk up into any old church and say everybody needs to, child, please, they, <laughs> they'll give me the left foot of fellowship. Because I'm, I'm not the authority in every place. Okay? Now, that's a really important point because... You know, people just think they can just come in, just bossing folks around like, man, you need to stay in your lane. Okay? Wives to your own husbands as unto the Lord. All right, let's go back to that. That was an important point. I don't want to skip that. And I got some scriptures on that one, just that point, because there is a realm of authority that you have, and even in the, the place of your authority, there are still some guidelines. Wives, submit unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. So if he's outside of what the Lord is saying, then child, please, man, I, I mean, I don't have to just take any old kind of stuff. See, we got bad teaching that has been around, and, and folks are staying in situations and stuff, and then, listen, he abusing you, get out now. Because that's not fit in the Lord. I don't, have a, I don't have an example of Jesus abusing me. I don't. Can't find that. Don't, don't see any example from Genesis to Revelation like that. So there's boundaries on this thing because people have, some folks is in heaven too soon because they stayed in abusive situations too long. Somebody say amen. All right. Okay, um, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, the church is subject, as a church is subject unto Christ, so let her wife, 
let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their own wives, love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and should be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverences or respects her husband. So we gave you these eight points. The first four we've been really, really digging into, um, and then the last four we'll, we'll talk about today. Um, number one, God expects a husband to use his position of authority to demonstrate love for his wife in the same way that the Christ does the church. Two, the husband's love ministry to his wife is designed to fix deficits in her character. He washes her and cleanses her with washing of water by the word. And so the question we had when we talked about that is, do your words wash or do they wound? Do your words wash or do they wound? Okay. Um, and um, this was this was one of my um, it's one of my Bishop Jabert revelations um, when he would teach us. He talked to us about the washing of water. That that word there, ramas, is describing a rain cloud. And he said, "Listen, man." Sometimes, even though you know the thing that needs to be said, it may just not be time for it. Because the conditions aren't ready for rain. And so sometimes you need to just hold tight. It ain't, re- it ain't time yet. If you say it too soon, it's not going to be what God wants it to be. Just, okay, hold your tongue. Let God tell you it's time to say that. Then say it, all right? Um, three, the husband is the primary beneficiary of this love ministry. He should see it as extended self-care, that he might present her to himself. And then the, the husband should nourish and cherish. Nourish is to feed and cause to grow, to supply with nutrients and nutriment. All right? So my word as a husband should be able to feed my bride. And my words should cherish, to treat with tenderness and affection, to give warmth, ease, and comfort to. Ah, okay. Now, God's great in all of this. You know, it's, it's grace and truth, okay? But I have an expectation that these are the things that God's looking for. All right, so let's get to the second part. Number five, marriage works best in an environment characterized by mutual submission. So before we get into why submitting to husbands, it says submitting yourself one to another in the fear of God. So in a, an environment of respect, I should expect that there are times when I don't have the answer, even though I'm the one in position. Okay. 
that I don't always have the answer just because I'm the one with the position. And the wisdom of God says that I should know that, all right? So um, there's the, the example that I give for that is that while the head is, or the statement I say is while the head is positionally in authority, there are situations where the best insight is in the help me, not in the head, right? So, and, and, and um, you know, we were talking about this Sunday, um, Abraham and Sarah, and Abraham and Sarah is, is a critical um, example of, of a marriage of destiny. It's a critical example of a marriage of destiny because there was a specific, um, both parties had to come together for destiny to be fulfilled. Destiny required their marriage to work for the destiny that God had. Everything that God had for them, if either one of them didn't do their part, then the destiny was not going to be fulfilled. And so scripture in Genesis chapter 16 talks about the fact that there was a time Sarah said to Abraham, man, we're not going to have any kids. So um, why don't you go get Hagar? And, uh, you know, that, that wasn't the wisdom of God. If there was a time he could have said, okay, I'm the head. That's not what God wants. That would have been the time that bro man should have said, that's not the answer. Okay. So he went with it. But once you go with it, it's your decision. Okay? Once you go with it, husband, it's your decision. God treats it like it's your decision. So then we get down to chapter 21. And then after Isaac is born, Hagar's kid, Ishmael, starts to mess with the promise seed. And then... Sarah says, listen, get that woman and that child out my house. Deuces, he got to get up out of here. And then Abraham, now he's starting to buck up because he don't like to have to deal with this. And then God says, listen to her and do the thing that she tells you to do. I'm going to take care of your kid. He got your blood in him. I got him. But he got to get up out of here because the promise is with the seed that she gave you. And I'm thinking to myself, I read this scripture and I'm fussing at the Bible. I'm saying, God, listen, she the one told him to do that. And God says, okay, but now that she came with the answer, I validated. The first time, that first conversation, there was no statement that God got in the middle of it. But when she said, get the child out, Abraham is upset about it. And then God says, I'm God. I approve that message. Get that child out the house. All right. So that's what we mean when we say that there is mutual submission. Sometimes, even though you're the person with the position, you don't have the wisdom. Okay. And, and as as a good husband, you want to be sensitive to know when the best wisdom in the house is just not with you. Yeah. 
Yes. Uh, if he gave you a help that's suited for you, there must be help that you needed. And when that help comes, you need to be sensitive enough to receive it. All right. So, so Abraham, um, even though even though he got off with Ishmael listening to Sarah, when Sarah had the wisdom, he heard God say, okay, she got the wisdom on this situation. And that's why when we're talking about this, right, when we're doing our men of destiny prayer, we're always challenging our men, you got to pray, man. Right? You need to know um, and be sensitive to when God is speaking as the third person in your relationship. All right. So marriage is best in a, um, works best in an environment characterized by mutual submission. Number six, the wife is expected to honor and yield to her husband in ways that are fitting with her covenant with the Lord. In ways that are fitting with her covenant with the Lord. All right? Uh, he has no heaven. He has no hell. Now, he can make life heaven or hell. But he don't have a permanent one to put you in. So there are some boundaries in which you say, okay, uh, uh, yep, that's in, that's out. Okay. All right. Um, submit to your own husband's as unto the Lord. Number seven, the expectation of, of God is that a wife's submission to her husband should provide benefit to her. Should the intention of God is that submission should not be a detriment, but a benefit. He is savior of the body. Right? Husbands submit, uh, wives submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Lord, uh, husbands love your wife. He, he is savior of the body. So in other words, the fact that I'm submitted should be to my benefit, not to my detriment. And then number eight, it matters concerning the home as long as within biblical guidelines, the husband is to have final say. Let the wife be subject to their own husbands, not in general, but to this one specific in everything. So there is a bottom line standard of submission that is a go, no-go gauge. Is what you're asking me to do in line with what the Lord would be pleased with if not, then I do not have to do it, and that is true in any and all cases. Now, that's true when we think about authority, because I want, like, listen, authority and submission is more than husbands and wives. It's a bigger principle that, than that. That's why on Sunday we taught about authority, right? So Joseph said to Potiphar's wife, listen, I do everything your husband said. The only thing he's held back from me is you because you're his wife. He said, okay, there's a realm of authority. And Joseph was submitted to her until she stepped out of boundaries, right? She had a certain boundary, right? So that's just one example. Um, the three Hebrew boys said, 
hey, King Nebuchadnezzar, we're, we're willing to do what you say, but when you start talking about to bow down to a foreign god, then I stop there, right? Your authority has a certain boundary to it. Daniel knew that a decree was signed that for the next 30 days, you can't pray. And Daniel was like, child, please. He opened his windows toward Jerusalem and prayed just like he did before after he knew the bill was law. Okay. Um, and so when we think about authority, first of all, we have to recognize that, that in marriage, there is a formal position of authority that is established. Look at Luke chapter 12, 13 through 14. This is why I'm very particular um, when, when I deal with people and say, listen, there is a realm of authority that you have, and you need to be sensitive to that. Luke chapter 12, 13, and 14. And it says, Then one from the crowd said to him, speaking of Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Verse 14. But he said, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? Jesus was like, Listen, I know I'm the Son of God, but in this situation, I have not been placed in formal authority in your situation. He was very sensitive to his realm of authority. Now, I want that to be freeing because I don't want, you know, I done heard a bunch of stuff in church that's like really, really dumb. And I don't want people to come out of destiny generation hearing a bunch of dumb stuff because I don't want people to make up stuff I didn't say. I'm like, child, please. Okay very important for you to know the realm of authority. And even within the realm that you have authority, there still is some boundaries and guidelines, right? Because every authority has authority to answer to. That's why your prayer life needs to be tight, because sometimes you still need to, over, you need to go over this head. You know, like at General Motors, like there's what we call the open door policy, right? If I have an issue with my boss, I can have a second level discussion. I got a boss, but my boss got a boss. Right? So I want to be very clear that less, Lord, now um, I'm yielding to authority, but there's an authority that I'm trusting beyond the authority that I'm, that I'm submitted to. Ultimately, I'm answerable to your authority, and I'm trusting that while I'm yielding to this authority, you're not going to let him get too far off in Jesus' name. That's the thing you praying, right? Now, uh, meanwhile, meanwhile, your pastor is getting all of the brothers together in Men of Destiny prayer, and I'm teaching them how to hear from God so that they can hear his authority directly themselves. And I'm coaching, and I'm counseling, and I'm guiding to make sure they know how to do that. Somebody say amen. All right. Now, look at 1 Peter. We're going to spend some time here in 1 Peter chapter 3. Um, and then we'll spend a little bit of time in First Peter chapter 2, and then we'll be done um, for today. I'm laying some foundation. Uh, we're going to, just like we spent, <laughs> we spent a lot of time dealing um, with, the, with the husband's responsibility. We're going to spend some time with the wives, but we're going to make sure that we do it in a way that uh, is anointed. And the definition of anointing is burden removing, yoke destroying. We're not trying to create things that the Bible doesn't and, and 
pull up doctrines that have really bound people that haven't had real basis in the letter, in the spirit of how God ministers the word. Somebody say amen. All right, so 1 Peter 3, 7. This is a passage of scripture. We dealt with this one, but I'm going to pull out a different uh, a word here that I didn't deal with before. Um, 1 Peter 3, 7 says, husbands likewise. Say that word likewise. Husbands likewise dwell with with them, talking about your wives, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the more delicate, this is David's words, but that's really what it says, because it doesn't just say weaker, it literally means more delicate vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, we've talked about this. We've talked about the fact, um, the way I've said it to you before is, if I could write a check, a financial check um, for the favor of God on my life, that check requires two signatures to cash. We are heirs together of the grace of life. The favor that we have, if, if Lady Nedra and I are not in agreement, I can't cash the check. So sometimes when marriages are experiencing financial difficulty, I'll start talking to them about agreement. And they're like, listen, we got money problems. I'm, we, what, what you doing talking to us about this? I'm like, listen, listen, I know, I know you think this other thing is more important, but if you get this right, there's a favor that'll come out on your life that'll fix the other stuff and get that stuff right too. All right? So he talks about that, that, that if um, there's a grace that God is, uh, ministers to me, and then he says that that my wife is an ongoing, permanent, continuing education class from which I never graduate. Yeah, that's what he said. Dwell with her according to knowledge. The King James, the, the, he said, uh, New King James says understanding. He says, listen, 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 listen. Um, Men marry women believing that they'll never change, and they do. Women marry men believing he, he will change, and he doesn't. Okay, all right, all right, I'll just, all right, okay, okay, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying, okay, all right. Um, but the key word that I actually want to get into Go back to the first part of that uh, for, for the media. Husbands, likewise. Okay. When I see the word likewise, that means this is not a, a beginning thought. There was a thought before this that this is saying this should be like something that happened before. When I was uh, uh, one of our churches that we fellowship with is... Uh, uh, Bishop Bernadette Jefferson and uh, at Faith Deliverance Center. And if you've gone to their church, she'll say, I greet you with peace and love. And then the, the congregation says, likewise. Okay, that's just a con congregational greeting that, that, that their church has. Now, if you came halfway in and heard people saying likewise, if you didn't know what was said before, then you don't know like what. Okay? So whatever this thing is like, there is something in front of it that is saying what we need to do here needs to be like that, okay? 
Now that's, that's not a super deep point, but it, it, it has a lot of implications. Now let's go to um, 1 Peter 3 and verse 1. All right, now there's another likewise here. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. Okay, so there is a likewise for husbands, and there is a likewise for wives. So clearly, there's something in front of both of these that we got to look at to understand what this thing is talking about. What is the example that this passage of scripture is saying before I jump all off into, we got to do all of this stuff. Okay, there's a, there's, there's a blueprint, there's a pattern, there is something in front of this that I need to look. So I need since this one started out of chapter 3, verse 1, then I need to go back into chapter 2 so I understand who is my example. All right. Let's go to 1 Peter 2. We're going to read from verse 21 through 25. And, of course, the perfect example of everybody is Jesus Christ. Okay. All right. Yeah. That, I, that, 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 that makes sense from a revelation perspective. All right. So 1 Peter 2, 21, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. So when I have to have a likewise and a like what, then there must be an example, a pattern, a blueprint, something that I must be following that I should be imitating in the midst of my situation. And this scripture says that the likewise for both husbands and wives has to be how Christ is interacting in this situation. All right? So Christ is leaving us an example to follow that we or you should follow in his footsteps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return, when he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now have now returned to the shepherd and overseer or bishop of your souls. So there is something in Christ's example that's going to show me how to be a good husband. And there's also something in Christ's example that's going to show me how to be a good wife. Well, that makes more sense than just dropping me down in the middle of a passage and say, I just got to do that. Because the likewise is very, very important. That's not a complete thought. All right, so now there is an example in Christ that we both have to follow. That, that, first of all, that just, that makes more sense, doesn't it? That makes a whole lot more sense. Um, so I can see something from Christ's life that shows me how to be a good head 
I can also see something from Christ's life that shows me how to be good help. Whatever my position is, I can see something from Christ that helps me to do it. So let's, let's look at that. Seven key points on headship and helps from Christ's example. Number one, there is a relationship of scripture in scripture of uh, headship and helps. Headship and helps. Um, I was, last night I had a chance to, um, I had a chance to go to uh, Straight Gate Church in Detroit, Bishop uh, Andrew Merritt, and uh, I was there because one of the, what I consider one of the statesmen of our generation, Bishop Tudor Bismarck, was there. Man, amazing, amazing gift. My God, man. I mean, you know, there's like the preacher's preacher, and we all sitting up down there. I'm like, got my notes. I'm like, man, go, go, man. Give me some. Give it to me. And he, he broke down a revelation, and he said, um, I've had a revelation like it, but I just, you just, you know, there's like this, and then there's like that, right? And so he was explaining that there are things that God has joined together. There's patterns of things that God has brought together in Scripture, that there's a pattern of threes, right? Um, spirit, soul, and body, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, sun, moon, and stars, right? There's a pattern of four, north, south, east, and west, right? Um, there's a pattern of fives, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, right? There's a pattern of six. On the sixth day, man was formed. There's a pattern of seven, right? And so um, he began to just walk us through these patterns, and he said the patterns of things that God has joined together, let's don't put those patterns apart. So the pattern that's here is a pattern. It's not just a pattern of husband and wife. People have brought that down. It's a pattern of headship and helps. Pastor David, why is this so important to you? This was why when my mother founded a church and all of the brothers told me, you can't submit to her, she a woman. No, 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 bro. She's the head. In this situation, when she was the number one, she was the head. I was the help. And I, and, and, and I didn't let nobody got me all out. I wasn't been out of shape because I understood that, that there was a position of head and I wasn't it. And so I was comfortable that she was the head. And in that role, my anointing was to come alongside her anointing as she administrated the church and to be the help. Because the pattern isn't just male and female. The pattern is headship and help. Moses had a headship anointing. Aaron and Miriam were helped. When they tried to move from the help to the head, they got jacked up and God dealt with them. You, you running outside your lane. The anointing was head and help. It wasn't just male and female. Barak, Deborah was the head. Barak was the help. So that's the larger pattern. Because when I understand that larger pattern, 
then I understand that help doesn't mean second class. If I understand it right, help doesn't mean second class. Because Christ being helped doesn't make him second to God the Father. God said of Adam, it is not good for him to be all one. Okay, alone, all one. In fact, if you look at it in scripture, initially God put both spirits inside one body and then separated the body and put the second spirit inside of it. They were all one. And then he said, I'm going to take a piece from him and make a help that comes suitable. And then I'm going to take those two pieces and put them back together. And what they need, they'll have to get together because they can't get it alone. He put the blessing on them because it took two signatures even for them to cast a check of God's favor. And so the help God sent was suited to what he was called to do. That's why every marriage has to be unique because what every person is called to and the help that they need has to be unique to them. So the real pattern is headship and help. It's not just male and female. Brother, if you got a female senior pastor, then you to help, you not to head. Okay, so there's a pattern of headship and help in the scripture. For example, the husband is the head, and this is at home, the wife is the help. Watch this. Number three, the church is the head. Excuse me, Christ is the head, and the church is the help. Right? Because we are the body of Christ and members in particular. All right? If when it comes to dealings within the church, if Jesus Christ is the giver of headship gifts of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, the Holy Ghost, who is the helper, right? That is his title. His title is the helper. He is the helper, the paraclete, the one that comes alongside. Then he must be the person who empowers the helps ministry. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says that there are these two gifts that go together, helps and governments. Governments, the Greek word governments, kubernesis, means to steer the ship. In Acts, it talks about the apostle Paul was on a ship that was about to break up, and it says they use helps undergirding the ship. So helps and governments are a pattern that go together. That's why the scripture that says, I would to have you know that um, the, head of, the head of the woman is the man. It didn't say every woman has the head as the man. It says the head of the wife is her husband. The head of the husband is Christ. The head of Christ is God. So when it comes to one, even though you're the head on one, you're the help on the other. Even Jesus Christ has to shift from being the head to being the help. If being the help made you second class, that meant Jesus is second class to the Father and the Holy Spirit is second class to Jesus. And it doesn't mean that. 
because he is as much God as God is, but for the sake of the unity of the Godhead, he assumes a position under, even though he is just as much God as God is. Pastor David, why is that important? Because if you don't get that right, then all the particulars I give you about this, you'd be like, child, please. I'm smarter than him. I know more than him. He make dumb decisions. You'll do all of those things and you'll miss what God is trying to give you because none of those things are the reason he did it. All righty. All right, so there is, if Jesus is the, if Jesus Christ is the giver of the fivefold headship gifts, the Holy Spirit, the helper ministry, it, the helper is the head of the health ministry. Number five, there's this matching gift in 1 Corinthians 12 of government and helps. Six, so for both the example of headship authority or helpful submission, Jesus Christ is the standard because both of them had the same likewise pointing to the same person. The likewise, both point to Jesus. Number seven, for the headship authority, I see how he dwells with the church and ministers to her needs. Likewise, husbands dwell with their wives according to knowledge. Giving honor as the more delicate vessel. So I see an example of being helpful and courteous in the midst of my own challenges, because Jesus was challenged to do what he did on the cross. Somebody say amen. That wasn't easy. So that's supposed to be the example of me being consistent in my love walk and being consistent as a husband when the situation is not easy or things I don't like. Right? I also see in helpful submission I see how he trusts that God won't allow him to be permanently damaged by taking the role under authority. I trust, it says Jesus trusted himself to him who judges righteously. God, you're going to have to figure this out. Man, come on. Because just because <laughs> just because he in a seat don't mean he always make the right decisions. Right? You let him drive you places. You knew he was wrong when he was driving. You knew it. You was all like, I, I know where I'm going. <laughs> Whew, I just thank God for nav. Like, we don't have to do the map thing no more. I'm just, <laughs> my, my dad was good at that. I am not my father in that area, in Jesus' name. Navigation was a very present help in a time of trouble. <laughs> All right, um, so let's, now let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to read the scripture. not going to say a lot about it today, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end here, and then we'll pick up here next, next time. First of all, do you have a, a different revelation? For, this foundational, we, we got to build a revelation, right? Because people have made, they've made the Bible say what they wanted it to say. They, they, they've built something that's not freeing and empowering. There's power in being under authority. The Roman centurion said, 
Jesus, speak the word only because I also am a man under authority. Didn't say I first exercised. He said I'm first under authority. And he recognized that Jesus was in authority, but he was saying also, just like you're under God the Father's authority and you can exercise it, I'm under Rome's authority and I can exercise that. There's power in that. And we've missed it because people have made it into something to feed their ego. And if this thing is about your ego, your marriage is doomed regardless. I can spend five years talking about this and you hit. Okay. So we have to have this foundation that there is a position of headship and helps. And those positions are not second class citizenship. God did not consign you to prison when he assigned you that, because if that were the case, then Jesus is something below what that is because he is still in the second position with his heavenly father. Amen? First Peter 3, 1 through 6 says, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of the wives. So some of this you're not going to be able to talk out. I know sometimes you just... You may want to talk it all. You can't fix it all just with words. That's what that just said. Somebody say amen. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, that word their fear is really talking about reverence and respect. It's not talking about being scared and fakes quaking in your boots. That's not what that's saying. All right. Verse three, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing a gold, and putting on fine apparel. Now, that's not saying, Pastor David, Pastor David, why are you saying this? Because people have turned this stuff into something the Bible didn't say, right? So I got to listen, child, please. That stuff, hey, do, do what you do. Get your stuff, hey, because that's not what that's saying. It's saying don't let it be merely outward. Jesus talked about um, the Pharisees. He said, outside, you are like the shiny grave plot stones, but inside you full of dead men's bones. So he was dealing with an outside-inside issue. He didn't say that there was nothing wrong with having stuff on the outside. He said, don't let your outside outshine your inside. He came, they came, Samuel came and was dealing with, uh, with um, looking for a king to anoint. And he said, hey, David has some tall, dark, and handsome brothers. And he, God said, don't look at them. He says, man looks on the outside. God looks on what's on the heart. And so what happens is some people, they external beauty exceeds their internal. That's what he's talking about. He ain't talking about, listen, listen, listen. Make yourself, hey, make it do what it do. Much love. Your pastor say much love, okay? But don't have your outside looking more beautiful than your inside because God is grading what's on the inside. And that's what this scripture goes on to say, all right? It says, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing of gold, putting on a fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart. I actually say um, the King James, I think, is a better translation of this. 
the King James, your pastor says, is a better translation of this because it doesn't say hidden person of the heart. It literally says a hidden man of the heart. Every other place that verse, that word there that's translated person is man. Pastor David, why are you saying that? Because even a female has a spirit man. Why is that important? Because when it says Jesus ascended and gave gifts unto men, he wasn't talking about the physical body because the, the part of me that's the real preacher isn't this physical body. It's what's coming out of my spirit. And my wife has a spirit man just like I do. So she is not a second-class citizen. I can't. Her spiritual gifts work like mine do. Now, Jesus decided, and it was his call, that I was going to be the one called the pastor. That's his call. But it's not because she don't have the capability spiritually to have gifting if he gave it to her. He, de he determines who gets the gifts. All right. Pastor Dave, why are you preaching this hard? Because there's a lot of stuff in the body of Christ that goes against this, and I got to knock it down. That's why I'm preaching this so hard. Verse 4, rather let it be the hidden man of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. God looks at the outward. Man looks at the outside. God looks at the heart. God's looking what's on the inside. And God looks at some wives and like, child, man, that's worth gold right there. He's grading hearts. He's grading what's on the inside. Don't be pretty on the outside and have dead men's bones. That's what he's saying. Have something, have a spirit that God says, you know what, man, that, that's, that's something valuable to me. Verse 5 says, for in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, Sarah calling him Lord. Didn't, Jesus didn't call Jesus is Lord. No, she said Abraham, she called him Lord. He didn't call, he didn't tell her to do it. She did it herself. Go back and read it. It wasn't an ego trip for him. She respected his authority. And it, when it happened, she wasn't even talking to him. I'm going to show you that this next week. She was talking to herself, inside herself, and God heard it. It's in Genesis 18. You, wanna, you don't want to wait for me next week. Go back and read it. <laughs> You, you, can, you can go back and read it. She wasn't even talking out loud. She laughed within herself. But you know, what you say inside yourself, God here. God said, I heard Sarah laugh. She said, I didn't say nothing out loud with my lips. And she didn't say, because it says she laughed within herself. She was having an internal conversation. So this had nothing to do with Abraham ego tripping. I'm the man. I would have pants in this family. It wasn't even like that. It wasn't like that. 
See, we made that into something that the Bible didn't, and then wondering why our marriages are frustrated. Because we created something that it wasn't. This was Sarah recognizing Abraham's authority. All right? It says for in um, verse 6, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Sarah was fearless. Abraham was scared. I showed you that on Sunday, Genesis chapter 20. Showed you that on Sunday. He was scared and he said, tell him you my sister. Don't tell him you my wife. Even though you 90, you look so good that the king going to try to take you. Now, I told y'all, the blessing of Abraham is yours. If you want to look good as you age, you should be believing it. Okay? My statement is, um, here's mine. This is, this is free. This is not in the notes. This is free. Uh, Abraham found that being called of God, he didn't need Viagra, Cialis, or Levitra. I'm just saying, now, you can be in faith for what you want. All right, I'm just saying, I found it in Scripture. He, it, kept, it kept all of his parts. His parts were dead, and he had no pills. He didn't have a little blue pill, and they all came back up. Okay. Now, if God didn't want me to believe it, he shouldn't have put it in the Bible. He talked to his body, and his body woke up. All right, okay, all right, all right. Let your stuff go down if you want to. I'm going to just give what God gave me. All right, so anyway, <laughs> there's promises in the Bible. You should have them if you want them. In Jesus' name, I just, I see them and I want them. Okay, so what I'm telling you is Sarah was fearless, and her confidence was in God, not her man of God. And she trusted God, and God took care of her. And when, and when he couldn't or was too scared to, God got in the mix and said, listen, you better not mess with her. Touch not my anointed. Do my prophets no harm. Okay? All right. Well, praise God, everybody.